This is Dr. Ara Austin for the School of Molecular Sciences. This podcast is really to help our students set up in career paths that they're interested in. Welcome to this session of Graduating in Science. Now what? On today's podcast, we have Anna Guerrero with us. Uh, she's a PhD student here at ASU, but her real job is to be a science illustrator. So instead of me speaking about what a science illustrator does, I'm going to have Anna talk to you about what she does uh, as a illustrator and an, as well as a scientist uh, with a science degree. So Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, and can you share your academic background with our students? All right, sure. Um, um, so I went to ASU for my undergraduate degree, so I've been here forever and ever. Um, I was pre-med the whole way through, and I tried out a few different biology majors, uh, but I ended up getting my degree in microbiology. Um, I took a bunch of art classes uh, at Herberger, which is the school for arts and design here at ASU. Um, and now I'm in my third year of my PhD program uh, with the Center for Biology and Society. Um, I'm studying the history and philosophy of images and microbiology, so I kind of get to do everything I want to do together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, I'm sure uh, what you just shared uh, shares a lot of hope with those students that have so many multiple skills beyond just knowing science. So, yeah, and students may not be very familiar with the role of a science illustrator. So could you share what you do as a science illustrator? Sure. So I want to start by saying, like, how I describe being a science illustrator uh, comes from a very specific experience and that is being a freelance scientific illustrator. Uh, there are specific branches of scientific illustration like uh, botanical illustration and medical illustration and those things have graduate education programs, they have professional associations, um, and I have none of these formal connections. Those are all wonderful, good, prestigious things, uh, but I have not done that. So <laughs> this is all coming from the perspective of a freelancer, which is a little bit different. Cool. All right. So there are two parts that are complementary to being a scientific illustrator. Um, the part that most people are familiar with is the actual act of illustration. Um, this includes using traditional drawing tools or like uh, drawing software like Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator or animation software uh, to create a picture or an image or whatever you want to call it uh, that communicates information about scientific research. Uh, the other part of being a scientific illustrator, which doesn't always come to mind, uh, but is just as important as the illustrating, is working with clients and doing all of the preliminary work that has to be done before you can create the final image at all. Uh, and what does working with clients entail? Pretty much the whole job, uh, which is like <laughs> finding and bidding for jobs. Uh, you meet with clients, you create budgets and project timelines and proposals. Uh, you have to check publication image specifications, you have to learn about copyright laws, uh, you have to write titles and captions, you have to uh, do like client management and sort of navigate working with someone to create one thing that they might have a vision for but you might understand looks better a different way. Um, and once it's all done, you usually have to do revisions. Uh, so. That process is pretty standard, um, and the kind of product that gets produced can vary a lot. So, like, many of my clientists have been academic scientists, so we are specifically making an image that helps explain research uh, to other scientists. So this sort of thing will be published in an academic journal, but that's often very different from uh, the work I've done for charities or, like, science education groups or encyclopedias or, like, 
I've done some work for museums, and that uh, art or images tend to be really different since the audience and the purpose is really different. Mm -hmm. So that is it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. So Anna, I have a question. What is the most interesting thing that you were asked to create? Most interesting image. Interesting. Uh huh. What do you mean by interesting? That you had the most enjoyment in mm. creating. Yes. So uh -huh. I had to do a museum show in Massachusetts, and I worked with dendrochronologists, which are uh, scientists who study climate and uh, like paleoclimate mm. through tree rings. So <laughs> it's very cool work, uh, and I got to like hike with them all summer and like work in the lab with them all summer and the point of the exhibit was to create images that could help people understand long-term landscape change because it's something that's very difficult to conceptualize as humans will only live for a hundred years while landscapes change for thousands and millions mm -hmm. of years yeah. um, and so that was the most enjoyable from the perspective of like I got to be in the field and I got to do the scientific work, but also still be valued for my artistic skills. Um, that kind of opportunity, I think, is rare right now, but mm -hmm. is becoming more and more of a thing people think is important, which is wonderful. So yeah. that's my favorite. And I think uh, you bring a lot of... Um uh, your own expertise as a scientist, and I'm sure other scientists appreciate the fact that you actually know science, rather than For you sure. know hiring a simple illustrator who knows how to create images but don't know anything about science to really bring those images to life. Yeah, so, I would say it's really yeah. been an advantage to have a scientific background. Um, I always try to find art students <laughs> to like encourage to come to scientific illustration because they already have so many cultivated skills in drawing and mm -hmm. illustration and they already sort of have uh, innate interest in design which is sometimes hard to cultivate in scientists mm -hmm. so uh, just finding people who are willing to navigate back and forth is really good. Yeah. So, yeah and so why did you decide to pursue this particular career path? Okay, so there's sort of the, the practical reasons and then the personal reasons, and I'll start with the practical. Um, so part of the reason I love science illustration, and the, probably the biggest reason that I am able to do it successfully, as in like get jobs at all, uh, is because it's not a super defined profession yet. Uh, if I wanted to be a successful botanical or medical illustrator, like I said before, uh, I would need I would need to apply to graduate programs and these professional associations. Um, but I'm not trying to do all of that, so that's out. Um, so science illustration is a happy place for me. Um, another reason I've decided to do this often uh, is because it really suits me. Meaning is that <laughs> I'm a skilled artist. I've been trained as a scientist, I'm a really talented visual communicator, uh, and I really like working with other people. Mm -hmm. And so being a freelancer means you're, it's mostly about working with other people, uh, mm -hmm. despite what people might think about uh, what illustrating means. Um, so that's the practical stuff. Uh, I'll move on to the personal stuff. Uh, the first thing is I really enjoy doing uh, illustrations of biological things that we can't really see with the naked eye, so small things like molecules or microbes uh, to really abstract large things like climate change. There's a lot of room for interpretation and uh, like creative sort of license to experiment and uh, that sort of thing doesn't really exist if you're like making a medical illustration where people have to use that sort of information to like make diagnoses and choices about things that are <laughs> not more important but 
more literal. Yes. Um, so uh, being a scientific illustrator in that sort of abstract, more uh, create, I don't want to say creative because medical illustration does take a lot of creative work, mm-hmm. um, but less literal work, uh, it's a constant reminder that science really isn't just about observing the world, but it's also about interpretation uh, and making it useful and sharing it with others. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I think illustration is important because uh, from the viewer's perspective, the viewer is not always with you when you do a particular type of scientific research. Mm-hmm. And uh, the space that you are in right now, and perhaps the students who are listening to this podcast can co- go into, is that you know botany or medical illustration is more set thing. They have so much space that they could work in in a broader scientific illustration community. So yeah. I think I think that is really good advice for the students mm-hmm. to hear. So for those students uh, who are interested in pursuing a career as a science illustrator, uh, what would you advise that they do? Are there special courses that they should be considering uh, that they take, or are there any resources available online that they can go look at? Uh, what would you advise? Sure. There are so many things you can do <laughs> to get started, which is good. Um, so the best place to start as a free, as a freelancer, um, and this is any kind of freelancing, uh, is self-promotion, <laughs> and it's never been easier to do that. So you definitely want to get some work up on social media, uh, but also it's really important to have a separate professional email and a separate like online portfolio that isn't on social media sites um, because it just it looks like you're a little more established and people will want to work with you. Um, and then also they want to like get in contact with you in more traditional ways often. So email is a good way to do that. Um, your portfolio is really going to be what gets you interviews and then the next logical step is jobs. Uh, so having a portfolio that's well-rounded and uh, very professional looking is probably the best thing you can do for yourself mm-hmm. if you want to get into this. Um, if you don't have any work to put in a portfolio yet, uh, you should definitely try volunteering. Uh, as an undergrad, that's my greatest resource was my time. Mm-hmm. And so volunteering was a really good way for me to build up my portfolio and get started. Um, there are to- so many scientific outreach and education organizations uh, that would love to have skilled artists doing work for discounted costs. Uh, obviously, <laughs> don't work for free forever. Uh, but when you're just getting started, it can be really good experience uh, for working for a client, uh, which is also really important to get experience in. Um, you can practice talking to people, you have to practice walking people through the process of creating an illustration, and volunteering is a really good way to start. Um, at ASU in particular, there is an organization called Ask a Biologist, and they have a very strong volunteering program. Uh, it's mostly people doing science writing, so you can do that too, but uh, they will work with illustrators, mm-hmm. so you should look that up. Um, if you take science classes and are confident in your skills, you can actually, I think, I would say approach your professor, professors and offer to work with them uh, to do an illustration for them. Professors are always looking for fun ways to show teaching material. And so uh, the secret, though, is like you're getting experience doing that. But if you do a really good job, then they'll tell people about you and you'll get referrals. And eventually you can start like building a client base. And that's like a good way to practice that. Mm. Um, Finally, there are some, not a ton, but there are some really good summer programs and internships uh, who are looking for science illustrators and science communicators. So definitely like, don't not look up the word science communication because often that can be visual science communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't tell you what they are because they're always changing, but definitely just like 
go to the internet and Google it and look it up and you should definitely apply. Um, They'll usually need a portfolio, so all the more reason to Mm -hmm. start making that. Um, So that's like good baseline stuff. Once you have a portfolio and once you feel really good about your skills, There are other ways to find jobs. So in Tempe, there's a professional group called Creative Circle. Um, I'm represented by them, and they know I'm a science illustrator. So when they get clients, uh, like bigger corporations, to come to them and say, hey, we have this job, do you have a creative person to do the job? They connect you with that person, Uh, you have an interview, and if it goes well, you get the job. And so that really takes a lot of the hard work of looking for jobs out of it, and it's free, and I've only had really good experiences Mm -hmm. with them, so I like people to know about them. Um, And then there's things like uh, Upwork, which is a website where freelancers and people with jobs can connect, uh, sort of like Craigslist, but less sketchy. Uh, and um, there is a little bit more like you have to look yourself and you have to like apply and bid for these projects. And so that's a little less uh, easy in some ways. But uh, I know some people who have had a really good success there. Um, so that's like all of the stuff you can do professionally as far as learning and taking classes. Uh, if you're an artist, I would say take science classes, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly ones that'll get you acquainted with reading scientific literature mm-hmm. because that skill is super valuable and will set you apart from other more traditional illustrators. Um, if you're a scientist, you should definitely take some art classes, <laughs> uh, especially those who focus on like best practices for 2D and 3D design. Uh, If you're anyone and you don't know how to use digital illustration software, you should definitely start learning, whether that's uh, in class or online. Whether or not you end up doing illustrations with digital software, you will have to put it online, likely, because that's where everything is right now. Um, There are really so many great free tutorials on the internet, um, and the best way to learn and get better is to actually, like, define and complete a project, because you'll find out really quick what you don't know, <laughs> and that's how you start learning. Um, so there's all that. Uh, I'm also a good resource, and I'm <laughs> super happy to talk with interested students one-on-one. Honestly, the advice that you gave about the students going to professors to illustrate their work, I can already know a lot of professors would love to have a student who yeah. can translate what they do and make an image for mm-hmm. them uh, because we go around and you know, go and present uh, in conferences or within even in a course where the standard, you know, image that comes with the textbook is just not, it's incorrect or it's just not good enough and it's not illustrating the points. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. If you do that, uh, ask for credit, Uh, like, uh, like try to get something, like Mm -hmm. obviously you're going to get experience and working with a professor is cool, but like, yes, get, get paid for your work in some way Mm -hmm. (laughs) is something I like to tell my students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And there, I'm assuming that there are plenty of honors students who would love to get honors credit for Mm -hmm. something like that too here at ASU. Definitely. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Thank you, Anna. Well, I learned a lot from you. Good. (laughs) Yes. And I'm sure our students did too. Great. So thanks for joining us today and hopefully we can keep in touch. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. More information on this episode of Graduating in Science, Now What? can be found on School of Molecular Sciences website, sms.asu.edu.